Welcome to the Waymaker Fireside Chat Podcast, where our purpose is to grow your life and change the world. In this episode, we sit down with Tara J. Frank. Lewis Carr is the founder of Waymaker, the Lewis Carr Internship Foundation, the Blueprint Men's Summit, president of media sales at BET Networks, and author of Dirty Little Secrets. Tara J. Frank is a speaker, consultant, and author of The Waymakers, her new book on the power of mentorship. Today, she'll discuss the contents of the book, discuss workplace equity, and give advice to listeners. Let's get started. Hi, I'm Lewis Carr, founder of Waymaker. And today on the Waymaker Fireside Chat, we have a very special guest, Tara J. Frank author of the new book, The Waymakers. Welcome, Tara. Thank you so much, Lewis. I'm glad to be here. Glad to have you. Now, you know, this, this, is, this, is, this is going to be a treat for our listeners because uh, we are the Waymaker Fireside Chat and the Waymaker Journal, and you have a new book called The Waymakers. So it's all WM everywhere today, all right? I'm good with it. You're good. <laughs> so you released your book on my birthday. I May know. May 3rd, last week. How, is How it was going? it, by the way? Oh, it was a great birthday. You know, anytime you have a birthday, Tara, it's a good day. <laughs> you sound like my daddy. <laughs> <laughs> True. So how's the new book going? You know, it's going really well. Um, I know you've written a book before, so you know what it's like. You pour your whole self into it and spend more time editing than you do writing and gets produced, get it out into the world. And and then it's kind of like, you know, just one day at a time. But I'm grateful. Uh, I'm humbled by the support and we have uh, 44 five-star reviews uh, within a week of being released. And to see something like that, and, and more important, to hear people play back to you what they're getting out of the book, how it's benefiting them, what they're learning, how it's touching them, uh, helping them see the problems they've experienced for a long time in new ways, you, you can't put a value on that. So tell me who you wrote this book for, Tom. Yeah, good question. So The Waymakers, Clearing the Path to Workplace Equity with Competence and Confidence. I honestly wrote it for two audiences. (laughs) First, uh, I wrote it for the reader who has a heart to lead, especially those who've been left out, you know, cast aside, but may not know how to lead equitably or might feel a little unsure about getting into the arena and and doing it. Uh, This can be a hard thing to get wrong. But I also wrote it, quite honestly, for all the people who have been left behind and who have been cast aside. In my opinion, if their leaders would read the book uh, and not only read it, but use it, we could create better workplaces uh, for everyone who has been disenfranchised through the years. So both of those groups I I wrote it for in in different ways. So the second group that you talked about, the people who have been left behind, which may be a lot of of the people who are listening to this podcast, what do you hope that they get out of it? What type of attention should they pay to the book? Yeah, I think this is a a really interesting um, 
thing to talk about because to be honest, when I first wrote it, I had, you know, high level leaders in mind. I had mostly majority leaders, white leaders in mind. I had men in mind, right? Like I was thinking, who are the people who create and shape culture in these workplaces? And what do they need to know in order to shape it differently, more expansively, to be more open in how they define leadership and help usher people through to greater levels of contribution? What I'm learning as people are reading it, you know, black and brown people are reading it, is they're playing back to me uh, this, and I think this is what people can get from it. They're saying some of the language you use in the book, the way you frame the issues we currently experience, um, the research, right, that you use to describe some of these both challenges and opportunities um, is something that is equipping them with, again, the frames, the words, the ideas, the ways to give voice to their needs uh, when they talk to their leaders, right? To, it's, it's helping them understand what they can ask for and what they can expect and how they can help people help them. And I didn't necessarily plan for it to be an empowerment tool in that way, but it is certainly shaping up to be exactly that. And I, I couldn't be happier about that. So you, you have some real experience in this space. So tell us about your career before you became uh, the author of Waymakers? Yeah, I spent 21 years at Hallmark Cards. I actually started my career as a greeting card writer. <laughs> I say that somebody could be like, what does that have to do with anything? But I started as a greeting card writer and then kind of grew up in creative writing and editorial, ultimately serving as the vice president of creative writing and editorial. Uh, the relevance there is from the day I started my professional career, I was hyper fixated on relationships, on uh, what people needed to hear from those, you know, they were in relationship with, how they needed to hear it, what built relationships up, what damaged them, what repairs them. That was the heart of the business I was in, the social expression business. And you and I both know that relationships, honestly, is a really important part of how we succeed in our careers, right? How we move our careers forward. So being in the relationship business has really given me a, a very, I think, powerful foundation from which to do workplace equity work. I then uh, designed and stood up a multicultural center of excellence. I have been uh, the creative director for uh, for our black brand, you know, Mahogany, well, their black brand now, I don't work at Hallmark anymore. Uh, also worked on cards for uh, the Hispanic community, Jewish community, et cetera. So I've always kind of been in this space where I'm really trying to help uh, my the company, right, the enterprise, better understand how demographics were shifting and how to meet those needs in a meaningful and sustainable way. And my last role at Hallmark was as corporate culture advisor to the president, really focused on diversity, equity, inclusion, how to stand up. Uh, that particular body of work and make sure that it could have an impact. So the reason I wanted to sort of focus on your career prior, because a lot of our listening audience thinks that, you know, they get one job, they start one career and that's it. Right. Uh, but clearly you've had transferable skills, as we would say. Yes. Uh, and you've been able to reinvent yourself. Talk about was that happenstance or was that part of a vision, a plan, a blueprint 
that you wanted to create for yourself. Tell our audience sort of how that happened. Yeah. People ask me sometimes, Lewis, well, when did you know you wanted to be an entrepreneur? I was like, well, the day I became one. I never planned to start my own business. You know, if I'm being honest, I worked at Hallmark for 21 years. I planned to stay there, to retire from there. You know, I was on a trajectory toward corporate officer. Um, But during that process, I had been through a divorce Uh, I reconnected with someone I knew in college. We decided we wanted to get married and blend our families. And that personal choice, right, changed everything for me, quite frankly, because it meant that I would have to leave Kansas City where Hallmark's ties were uh, deeply entrenched right in the community and move to Texas. And so the trajectory I had been on was no longer viable because the role was not really one that you could do remotely. You couldn't really do it from a distance. That was, of course, before the pandemic, and we all had to figure out how to do it anyway. So once I realized that I was going to have to leave Kansas City and that my trajectory would shift as a result, I recognized that I wasn't done growing. I wasn't done having an impact. I had always allowed my creativity and my curiosity to expand my opportunities, right? As I put one foot in front of the other. And I felt like if I stayed at Hallmark, um, that, that, that journey, that kind of journey was going to be stunted quite honestly. So I had to kind of ask myself, what are you really good at? Uh, what are you passionate about? What kind of difference do you want to have on the world? And to recognize that my purpose was not tied to any place, right? Or time, that it was transcendent. And I had an opportunity, honestly, to reimagine uh, how I would bring my unique and differentiated skill set to a world that I believe really needed it. So we here at Waymaker Tower, we believe that every successful person has had at least one Waymaker. Every successful person. Tell us about the importance of that way maker. I first want to say, you know how much I love this because I named the book the way makers for that exact reason, like reflecting on the fact that, you know, every brown, brown and black person I know, for instance, who made it to the top of their game, however they define their game did so not only because of systems change, right. Which we focus a lot on in DE and I work and we should, but because someone made a way for them. You know, you, you, you and I have talked about this. Somebody opened a door and removed the barriers and ushered them through. And so we all need waymakers. We've all had them. Maybe, maybe not all have had them yet. Hopefully we will. Um, but those of us who have been successful have definitely had them. And I'm inviting more people to do exactly that. So we need waymakers because in part, especially us in part, any entity, right? The people in power have all the good stuff. I mean, <laughs> all the good stuff is right in the middle. The, the insight, you know, the unwritten rules, the sacred cows, the stakes in the ground, all those things you only know if you're in the circle of trust, the access to, to knowledge centers, to power networks, right? The access you need to really kind of accelerate your progress, the opportunity, all of that is in the middle. And those who are most closely uh, related or, you know, look like, sound like, experienced, 
like the people in power, they have closer uh, proximity to all that stuff. When you're different, when you exist on dimensions of difference, you're further removed from everything that you need. In my mind, waymakers recognize that. They recognize we have things in our hands that other people need in order to be successful. We are going to, on purpose, recognize the light in them. We're going to mirror it back to them. We're going to ask about, care about their aspirations and what they want to achieve. And we're going to do what we can with what we have to make that possible. That's the only way any of us gets anywhere, even if we don't recognize it or remember it, right? So I get asked this question all the time, Tara. How does someone prepare themselves to be chosen or seen or mentored or helped by a waymaker? What yeah. does that look like? This question is something I get asked a lot at, as people are kind of talking about sponsorship. So when we talk about sponsorship, you know, the old way of thinking about it is you can't ask anyone to sponsor you. You know, you have to be tapped on the shoulder in order for you to be sponsored by people who have the power and position. My challenge with that, honestly, and I am gonna answer your question, but just allow me this little bit of a, a circuitous route. My challenge with that is I find it really disempowering for those of us who don't currently have the power, because what it sounds like to us is work, work yourself to death, do all the things, not only three things, but all the things you can possibly do, throw all the darts at the board you have, and maybe someday in some way, someone's going to recognize how smart and good you are, and they're going to tap you on the shoulder and make you queen. And, and I think what it does unconsciously is it creates in us, which we have carried forever, it creates in us the feeling that we have to be twice as good, three times as good. We have to work twice as hard, three times as hard. We have to not only do what we're supposed to do, but everybody else's stuff too, because what we're really trying to do is cast as wide a net as humanly possible so that somewhere in that net will be acknowledged. And I, I think that exacerbates the inequity problem, quite frankly. So what I would say to people is that I believe what we really need is to be more courageous about creating cross-difference relationships, but the people in power need to be equally courageous about creating cross-difference relationships too. These relationships are the great accelerator. These waymakers are the great accelerator. So you can be the smartest person in the room, you can work the hardest, you can throw all your darts against a board and still not be tapped on the shoulder because someone who should know you or needs to know you just doesn't. Um, so I think if we invested more in connecting, in, in figuring out what story we want, we want our career to reflect, how to tell that story in a compelling way, brave enough to tell it to folks who will listen, um, and to give voice to our aspiration and in that build those relationships, I think we would get further, faster than just working ourselves to the bone, which is how we have been thinking about it. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to dissect that. All right. So basically you're saying, Tara, that we need to be more courageous in creating relationships in environments that may not be open to that. 
So there's still work that we've got to do that others don't have to do. So whether it's being smarter or being more courageous, we still have a little higher hurdle to jump over than everybody else. You know, honestly, we will until the people who have the power today do their work. It's interesting we're having this discussion because normally uh, people ask me what, what you did. What do we have to do to be better positioned? And sometimes my answer is I don't like to talk about that. I like to talk about what everybody else needs to do. When I first started my consultancy, I was focused on leadership development. And I was really working with black and brown people, women specifically, to help them develop their capacity, right, to lead. I got frustrated with doing that, to be honest with you, because what I realized, I already knew it because I was them. But what became exceedingly clear to me is I could develop that vine till I was blue in the face. But if the vineyard was dry, they would they still wouldn't thrive. So I shifted my work from individual leadership development to culture work, to working with the people who were currently making the talent decisions, right? Identifying people for those next opportunities to helping them develop, because I really believe that's where the capacity building is required. Not necessarily, each one of us can still grow. We can all still grow and get better, but we weren't in need of fixing. The cultures were in need of fixing. The existing leaders were in need of develop of development. And so that's where I spend most of my time until we get there, though. <laughs> I think the more connected we can be with people, um, the better chance we have at being seen, right, being respected, being valued and being protected. So, so, so Tara, you, you, you know, we, we we're going to go around with this. All right. Yeah, so, do it. I, I, I'm going to say what you agree that in corporate America, it is a game that is being played. And you have to understand the rules of the game to have an opportunity to be one of the best players. Sure. So should we be coaching and mentoring uh, BIPOC communities to understand the game and be courageous enough to wave their hand or demand, let me in coach. Yes. Let me in coach. Yes. As long as the rules are as they are, we must, or we will stagnate. I mean, there's no way around that. You know, the, I think what you hear me saying is I'm busting my tail to change the rules. But as long as the rules are what they are, yes, we have to know them. We have to understand them um, and, and we have to figure out how to navigate them. I think the other piece of this that we can get better at as a community, I don't I, you probably didn't see this because I just posted this this morning or last night on LinkedIn. And I said, you know, I've been in a couple conversations lately where people are saying to me, gosh, inside these corporate workplaces, there are people, there are black people who've made it or women who've made it to the top levels of the organization. And they're not checking for us. You know, we're asking for help. We're asking for guidance. They're not being responsive. They're not trying to support us. Kind of this mean girl thing, you know, going on. 
And so I just posed a question. I'm like, is this still happening? And I gave people three options. Yes, all the time, you know, a little, but they're probably busy. And then the third was like, no, this isn't happening much. Last time I looked, there were about 300 votes. 70% of the people said this happens all the time, which breaks my heart, honestly, because that is something we can do and should do (laughs) if we want to help create more pathways for people. Once you get to that level and you know because you are there, you understand so much about that game you talked about. And to hold that close, to deprive, right, another Black person, that insight, that understanding, that access, um, to me is, is, it's a really hard pill to swallow. Now, I get some people are just super busy, you know, they don't have time, they can't mentor all 57 million people who ask, like, I totally get that. But this just refusal to engage people who are coming behind us, um, I, I get the sense it's still happening, that's something we can control, <laughs> right? And and we should uh, make a way for more people where it is possible and and mentally uh, healthy. I'll say for us to do so. So so Tara, do you think that scenario that you described and people voted on is that will or is that courageousness? Hmm. I think it's probably a combination of both because what I've learned in the research and what I'm sure you know as well, because you're, I know you're among the most well researched, you know, organization when it comes to black people and black talent even is that we sometimes feel that we don't have the latitude, you know, to speak up for, to, to defend, to represent people who are like us. We are nervous at times that we will be accused of nepotism, some form of nepotism, that maybe where we are uh, representing someone just because they're black and not because they're skilled or talented. These are all ideas that are planted in us, right? By a system that wasn't necessarily designed for us. So I think some of it could be courage. Some of it could certainly be, um, just, I don't have time. That's not my job. I've heard that a couple of times, believe it or not. Like, you know, I have enough to focus on. This is my job. That is not my job. Others, interestingly, don't, they don't like to be defined as a black woman leader or as a black leader. And because they don't want to be defined that way, they don't want to behave in a way that would elevate that aspect of their identity. Um, which makes me sad, you know, Honestly, but I know it happens. So probably yeah. a combination. I ask you that question because there are a lot of rooms I walk in, mm-hmm. and I'm one of two or one yeah. of three, and that other one or other two won't even look at me. You know, it's like I get the invisible look, right? You know, that you know the general population gives. You know, you become invisible in these particular rooms. And, you know, you try to, I'm going to stare you down until you right. me. Till you notice that I'm looking at you. How did, how does that land on you? When you walk into a room and you have that experience, what's going through your mind and heart in that moment? The first thing that comes to my mind, no, we're not going here, are we? We're not going to do this. Are we? right. We're not going to act like we don't see each other. And, and that whole period of time that I'm in that room, 
I'm trying to get that person's attention. Right. Acknowledge me. All right. It's only two of us or three of us in this room. I know you see me. You got to see me. I'm the fly in the milk. All right. I'm along with you. Yeah. When it doesn't happen and the people get up and leave the room, I am very disappointed. Me too. I'm very disappointed because that's saying this is something that you consistently do all the time. Right. And what I don't think we realize is that people notice that. People who don't look like us notice that. That's right. And, you know, they're probably either to your point, it's it's will or they're so nervous about what someone may assume if they acknowledge you just because you're black. Right. You know, and and don't know you. But I, I feel like that's how we unconsciously perpetuate the problems that we have, because what we also know is that person who has earned their right to be in that room didn't get there by themselves. Right. Someone along the way acknowledged them in the room. A way maker. A way maker. <laughs> a way maker. A maker. Someone along the way made a way for that person to even be in that room. You know, so I always feel like the least we can do is open ourselves to a connection. That doesn't mean we have to nurture it into best friendship. That doesn't mean we have to become, you know, family on the other side of it. But the least we can do, in in my opinion, for each other is open ourselves um, to the connection because you also just never know. You just never know how your, your life might be enriched or how you might be able to enrich the life of another by just being open. Absolutely. So, Tara, you've got the book out. What's next for you along this journey of Waymaking? Yeah, Lewis, I am trying right now, as I'm sure you can appreciate, to get what I consider to be a bit of a a leadership guidebook in as many hands of as many leaders as possible. But we're also going to be launching uh, an on-demand course series of courses at the end of the summer so that any individual who has a heart to lead, right, but doesn't know how or maybe feels unsure about it can go and sign up for these courses and learn more about what it looks like, sounds like, is like to be a way maker and how to create cultures where every single person feels they have an opportunity to thrive. So the course launch is the next big thing uh, that'll happen in the summer. But we're really just trying to build leadership capacity. You know, that's that's the heart of what I do. I am trying to build capacity in leaders to lead more equitably and inclusively. Well, Tara and and listening audience, I I want you to watch this move right here. This is a teaching moment. So, Tara, I'm volunteering to be an instructor uh, for those classes. All right. So she didn't ask me listeners. She didn't ask me. I'm volunteering. So this is what sometimes you have to do in corporate America. When they yes. don't ask you, you raise your hand. And if she had said no, I would have told her, well, I'm going to keep asking you until you say yes. So how can I help? How can I help? This is the question. Yes. Thank you. 
So, Tara, this has been great. Uh, I appreciate the conversation. Uh, Very supportive of your book. Tell our listeners how they can get this book. Please go to Amazon.com and order The Waymakers. Uh, That would be wonderful. It's also available other places books are sold. And I'm going to make one more plug for the reviews, the reviews, the reviews, the reviews. They are so important. They help with the algorithm. Um, But yes, please buy it on Amazon if you would and leave us a review. I'd appreciate it. Tara, thank you so much. Wishing you the best. And uh, I'll be talking to you later about being an instructor. (laughs) And we'll get our audience engaged in that also. So thank Uh, you so much for being here on the Waymaker Fireside. Thank you. I really appreciate you, Lewis. Thank you so much for everything you do and for making a way. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this conversation between Lewis Carr and Tara J. Frank. What did you enjoy about this episode? Let us know on our social media at Waymaker Culture. Don't forget to claim your Waymaker Journal at waymakerjournal.com and be sure to enter the Waymaker giveaway by going to waymakercontest.com. Subscribe to the Waymaker Fireside Chat podcast to get notifications each time we release an episode.